Okay, so now we move on to the questions. Um, I got a few, but it'd be greedy to pile straight in there. So would anybody who'd like to ask a question uh, raise a hand, please? Now you see, you can do better than that. We're here to debate and discuss, that's good. Okay, just down there. Don't forget to name and uh, organization, etc. please. I, I'm the technical producer for Ornhead Arts. We're a rural, national, and international arts company based on Dartmoor. The things that you've all been speaking about, we're kind of doing that at the moment. We're, we're, we've got a, a, a project called Tuning Worlds, which is it's a global project collecting audio music and bringing it in. But it's finding that audience to get everything out again. And we, you know, we, we build social networks, closed wall social networks for groups that we work with. We've, we're building a literacy map. It's a it's a map to do with all the uh, literacy that's been based in Devon. And it's just, it's finding that audience. We can create all this stuff. We teach people how to do it, but it's actually finding that audience. Have you got any ad advice on that? Okay, so great content, tricky to connect with an audience. Mark? Well, I mean, I think, you know, the, in a crowded digital world, it's, it's, it's hard for, you know, for everyone, even the very, very biggest players are, are, um, wrestle, wrestle with this issue. Um, I mean, it, it seems to me there's, there's, in this world there's two things going on, one of which is um, there are some, some big aggregators, and the BBC is definitely one of those, where you know, um, many, many millions of people, for example, go from the BBC's website to UK newspaper sites and go to art sites from... Uh, and often at the BBC, often um, you know, things happen in unexpected ways. I mean, we often sh uh, Google kind of share kind of interesting, interesting uh, uh, data points about the BBC and Google. And there was a, one Saturday, there was a gigantic spike of, of interest um, in uh, the search, search terms BBC plus Pompeii. And this was after an episode of Doctor Who. Uh, I mean, one of the most powerful web reactions into, in the arts world we've had was, was the Doctor Who episode about Van Gogh. Uh, last year, which again spoke to, sparked immense interest in people who are not normally interested in art. So I would say that, that, that you know, it's incumbent on the BBC, but other, other, some of the other big websites, to look hard at the way they feature the arts and how they lead people to other you know, like more specialist, more, in some ways, perhaps more interesting parts of the web. Um, but obviously also, um, there are these environments like, 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 uh, like YouTube, where um, what's astonishing is YouTube is full of smash hits which have been found serendipitously by users of YouTube on the web. And there are these other very powerful disaggregated ways in which a single piece of, uh, of content can find a mass audience and somehow or other both of those things are true at the same time. Tom, can you, can you add a little bit of science to that? Because it is a really important point because it's really the fame point, the brand point. If you're not known if you're invisible and you create some content, yes, Mark's absolutely right, you might get lucky, you might get picked up, it might go viral, but it is a lottery. Is there any way, any specific advice you could give to this chap to say, these are sort of measures you need to undertake to ensure you have the best possible chance of connecting with the widest possible audience? Um, I think there are. I think, we're, I think this is a, an area that's, that we're learning about now. I mean, we have projects which just disappear. <laughs> Um, we'd love to be able to put them all on the front page of our, our website, but we're not allowed, for good reason. Yeah. Um, and, um, and we have projects that just disappear, and you're like, but I thought it was brilliant. 
I think there are, and, 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 and actually it would be better to have one of our marketing people here who, are, who, are very, who understand the, kind of the, the levers you can pull. Um, so you have to understand that there is, there is organic search, there is sponsored search where you begin to, there are promoted videos, there are like understanding, there's now promoted tweets, there's, there's understanding the, the channels um, that are there, there's sort of all the social networks that you're able to, to use. Um, I think that a growing trend is curated search. So this is a very interesting area in that it kind of implies that search needs to, to catch up in, the, in that we're actually looking to each other to tell us what's great. Um, and, and you can find those key inf sort of um, opinion formers who now hide behind little Twitter monikers. And, and they're really crucial. You know, they will drive interest. But the other thing to bear in mind is that I come from Devon, so this is of, is of interest to me. Like, um, that, that, that within a niche, you have to understand the technological abilities of your, of your audience as well. Um, sort of when I, the stuff I put on, the stuff that's really popular, I think is, is boring and geeky, but it's really popular. That's the things that people look for, because that's where I've got associated. So, so understanding your audience is just as important as understanding the channels that you can re use to reach them. And yes, there is science to it, but I think the science is, is, is evolving. Okay. Lady down here. Hi, I'm Sydney Thornberry from Webplay. We're an arts education charity, and we basically use technology to further and enhance the live theatre experience for young audiences. And I think this is a fantastic initiative. I think it'll fill a big gap um, about how smaller organizations who are slightly behind the curve can develop the skills that they need to get their stuff out there, which I think is fantastic. But I feel that the really great potential for digital for us as an art sector is to bring smaller organizations together to work quite strategically to, to basically reach their audiences. So, for example, from the Young People's Theatre perspective, you know, they tend to be smaller organizations. We built an online platform called Page to Stage so that um, those theatre companies could license the platform for us and have a safe space for kids to create online collaborative projects between them and the theatre companies. Um, but what we have found is that a lot of the theater companies don't understand how to create the digital content to begin with. So we give them the space, but again, it's the content conversation. Um, but this issue about reaching audiences, I mean, we're now trying to develop a platform which is sort of a one-stop shop so that teachers can just go there and get everything related to young people's theater, from learning about why theater is important to be in the curriculum or in schools, to what shows are playing by them, to purchasing tickets, to getting education resources. I think the digital concept of, of providing... Great, can we just I am. I'm, I swear I'm getting to the question, which is, has there been... Once you have all these people who are creating all this digital content, has there been any thinking between the BBC and the Arts Council about how you strategically deliver that stuff to primary and secondary schools, especially at a time where arts education is under threat? Um, because I think that's a really, really important thing. Like Google could do a, an educator search. You know, th those kinds of things to be able to access the audiences who who need the content. Alan, did you get that? Yeah, and I think the answer is we haven't had that level of conversation yet. Um, you know, we're in the early days of the partnership. Um, but I think the I think the points you make are, are well made. Um, and I think the important point you made about helping smaller organisations, you know, get together. 
uh, is going to be important. And, and one of the things that we're looking at in our kind of other exercise, the big funding exercise, is that, you know, resilience, small organizations, how do we kind of act as a marriage broker or, 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 or whatever to, to get people um, to think about working together better uh, and, and, you know, aggregating their knowledge and, and there's a whole issue about data as well. But what do you I'm say, would, would Alan, is, is, I mean, the, the, the specific question is, are we within the scope of this project? Is it being considered how content would be delivered to schools, primary and secondary schools? Is that within the scope of what we're trying to achieve? Uh, not specifically as a, as a particular strand, but I think it's kind of within our wider kind of view of the world in the next four years. Um, and there's going to be sort of wider th things that we're doing. But, I mean, it's not an explicit strand at the moment. But Mark, it's, it's a, a good point. It, I think it's an incredibly good point, actually. And I think what we should do is we should try and join this bit up to, you know, some of the other thinking, I mean, about, you know, what the BBC does in terms of supporting schools, but also, in a way, what we've learned from things like, you know, National Poetry Day and from D this year with the, the big literature thing we do this year and so on, which is, which is really um, almost generalising. We, we, we've become better at partnering to get a particular moment where schools are already ready, as it were, to connect to a, a big cultural moment around an anniversary or around a particular theme. But it's, it's almost like generalising that and not just relying on these, these spot moments, but, but thinking about it. I think it's very interesting we should take that away. And I think, you know, it, there's nothing that we're doing here which means it can't happen, but we yeah, need to do exactly. some, ask ourselves you, some more questions. You've highlighted the potential yeah. for the future. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Oh, now they come. Fantastic. Um, pick one. I don't know. There, look, right in the middle. Quite difficult to get to. <laughs> yeah, you, sir. Yeah, but you need a work microphone. Hello, I'm Gavin Sharp. I'm Chief Executive of Ban on the Wall in Manchester. Um, we've been developing digital content over the last 18 months. We've got uh, several hours of, uh, of fantastic live music that we've recorded to HD quality, multi-camera shoot. And uh, we're very much looking forward to uh, the de development of the IPTV concept and how we can get some of that content out there. Um, yeah. we, you know, we think it's great, we stand by it. And uh, I just wonder if you can give us some advice on what the mechanism may well be and uh, what the mechanism will be for um, the kind of cur curating algorithms that, that are going to sit behind the IPTV players. Uh, I know that Google, both Google and BBC are, are working on those. And uh, whether you're intending to collaborate at all <laughs> or work together <laughs> on those in any way. Well, so, so on the second point, I mean, I think that if you look at the latest version, if you look at version 3, V3 of iPlayer, you can see that actually we, w the way we're thinking about this, we think there's, there's going to be lots of different ways in which people will discover content. You know, there'll be the stuff we think is great, you know, we, the BBC, think is great, and aren't, we've got, you know, the BBC's full of, some of the BBC, you know, it, it is passionate curation, it's whether it's Radio 1 or it's Radio 3, that's, you know, so what our guys think is the best stuff there's the stuff you yourself have chosen in the past, and we know from Amazon and the rest of it, there's, there's what your friends are, are, are watching and listening to. So, you know, hooking up to Facebook and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and so on. Um, there's what other people are listening to right now. And I think, I, I think in the broader sense that, that we're, although I think we think that the, the bias towards, you know, as it was used the phrase, the social discovery of content, um, uh, 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 discovery content, in, in the end, a kind of digital version of, of, of word of mouth and getting a sense of, of what others are up to is going to be more and more important. Actually, we think there's going to be lots of different ways of finding content. And actually, you know, an important thing is making sure that, that these are places 
uh, and, and platforms where serendipity and exploration is possible. So with, with the, the, the IPTV platform that the BBC is a, 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 a founding shareholder of, uh, UView, you know, the, the, the intention with UView is there'll be lots of, there'll be a kind of app store and lots of different apps and lots of different, you know, offerers of content uh, with a pretty low cost model uh, of how you get, get on, on the platform and where the public, you know, uh, will have a, have a chance to choose. And what will win will be both the people who've got the best content, but also the people who've, who've, who've found the best ways of getting that content noticed, which takes us back to the first question. Tom, what are you doing on, or do you know what you're doing? I have no idea. <laughs> do you have, um, how reassuring. Well, uh, do, do, you, do you have a view on IPTV and how important it is to this audience? Um, I, I, I actually sort of feel like I'm, I'm not in a position to, to talk on it. Uh, there, there are a lot of technologies that I know sort of from the inside and then there's, there are those... You, that you just see coming, and I think I'm probably pretty much with everyone else, and I'm, I'm just kind of quite excited about it. I think it, it, it just breaks down barriers, it breaks down platforms. I think it's very, very hard to foresee how it will work. Um, and for me, things... I, Google's got a huge part to play in it. Surely well, it's a search engine within IPTV. That's how people are going to find stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I am I, I'm really not... In, not well enough informed. So what was this, it, I mean, what is both exciting but also, in a way, kind of scary about IPTV is that almost everyone believes it's going to, it's coming, it's going to happen. A very large number of TV sets already been made with IPV, IPTV functionality built in. So in other words, you can plug it into the broadband as well as into an aerial or into cable or satellite or whatever. But I think, it's fair to say, I, I don't think we yet understand, if you, if you go back to the most basic thing about behaviours, about what people want from television, how they're going to present themselves, if you like, in front of this big screen. And, I mean, the BBC, I mean, we, we take a slightly, actually a slightly different view from I mean, I've, 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 I've talked to colleagues at Google, both here and in, in Mountain View, and we take a slightly different, different view uh, from Google. I mean, we, we think that, that in a sort of sit-back, big-screen television context, that probably, probably people are going to be more comfortable with a... A, a television-like experience, very simple interface, you know, kind of one, one, one thumb navigation and, and, and a, you know, a big premium on its good quality and it works right away, as opposed to the extraordinary immediate choice you get from, for example, from the Google, Google uh, uh, search page where you know the world's your oyster and you might get 10 million responses in 0.21 seconds sort of thing. Um, but we may well be, I mean, that, you know, that's, our, that's our view, but we're, t we're TV people, TV and radio people. You could say, well, you know, you know, to the man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You would say that. Um, what, what, what's exciting, and I think, uh, I think, in a sense, part of the offer we're, we're making today is we're going on this journey. We'd love all of you to come on the journey, and, you know, somewhere between here and the great city of Oz, we'll, we'll find out, how, you know, how IPTV works for the public. And, and I suppose the, the follow-up question to that, which is, is for you, Nick, is we are on this journey and it's 18 months and all the rest of it, and it looks lovely, but what outputs are you really expecting? Are you expecting just a bunch of people to get together and have a nice chat? Or are you really expecting Barbican, the arts, you know, the arts sector mm -hmm. in this country to actually create something concrete 
and, and identifiable from this project? Well, the, the fundamental point I was trying to make, and it's really reassuring to hear it made by Google and the BBC as well, is we don't know how people are going to behave until they do it. We don't know how people are going to react to, to internet TV until it happens. And the danger of investing huge resources down one particular route closes off your options. And that's why we're saying, one step at a time, we've got to be very creative and very open about it. And I, I really like Tom's point about the small groups of yeah. people working together. And I, I'm in danger of expressing a personal opinion. Um, you're allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah. You can just say whatever you want. But, <laughs> now, I, I've played... I, I don't know much about IPTV, and I don't like talking about things when I don't know about them. I have played with a Google TV in the States, and, 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 and I used it in both ways. Actually, you mm. explore and play, and it's yes. a, just a different way of experiencing these things, so you can't give you an answer for that. What I would say is that it's not... I think TV as that kind of box-in-the-corner thing is probably likely to change. I have a two-year-old niece, and, and, and I see her with her granddad's iPad and her mum's iPhone um, and the TV and Teletubbies on the TV or whatever and complete confusion as to why the, they are not all the same thing interacting in the same space and why so those sorts of things this kind of multi-surface experience where your, your, your phone controls the TV controls your interaction and there's, there's multiple surfaces that definitely is something which can't happen without internet television so that sort of step on is just a fascinating place for any arts, I, well I speak as an artist, for an artist to think in those kind of spaces in extraordinary possibility. Good. Okay. And, and I oh, think we're oh, going to experiment with different approaches to curation and findability and, and we need to. Uh, and you know, we'll have some yeah. interesting times. And your hope is that it comes up with something completely yeah. unique and something completely creative we that might no one ever thought, thought of it, yeah. before and no one could have done before. I mean, YouTube Symphony Orchestra is a really interesting example because at the end of that, you do actually end up with a normal symphony orchestra. And the really exciting thing about a YouTube Symphony Orchestra would be if everybody was able to play in the 240 different countries they come from. And that would really be something. Yeah, we'll leave you with that, Tom. We'll take another question. <laughs> OK, lady there. Hi, uh, Jackie Devereux from the Community Media Association. Um, I have a slightly different question, not about audiences so much, but about the deliverers of training. Um, we obviously work closely with the BBC anyway, and we'll continue to do so. But within this project, or as, as alongside this project, is there scope for smaller audio-visual training providers and digital skills training providers, like my sector, so community radio, community, community TV, to actually get involved on that kind of level as well, particularly with smaller organisations in localities? Are you, are you, so can I just clarify that? I mean, are you looking for an opp opportunity to work with or are you concerned that it might be a threat to? Okay, Mark. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm very much hoping it's the first, 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 not the second. I mean, this is, this is you know, I mean, I think, I think it's great we're doing it. Um, I think in terms of the, as it were, demand in this space, uh, you know, I think there's a vast amount of demand and this is, you know, as it's conceived, a relatively small piece of supply. And... I also think that, in, in a way, what, what, what I hope this is going to be is, is almost like, um, you know, a, <clears throat> a kind of wetting of the appetite and, and a way in uh, to a, a world where actually the kind of delivery of, of, 
of the full training and skills required is actually going to happen afterwards. So it's almost like trying to get a big front door in which we can get people to go through, but with an expectation that many of them, once they've been through that door, will then want to pursue it on a much more detailed basis. But we should talk about exactly how we can, we can configure it with you so that, that's the outcome we get. Yeah, I mean, this alone isn't going to kind of solve our capability needs going forward. Sounds it's, like it's Alan Davies' door is open to you. My door's always open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next question. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Hi, I'm Bill Thompson from the BBC Archive. Um, I noticed a lot of discussion from, from Nick and, in fact, all of you about the potential and the need to experiment, and Tom mentioned the desire to fail quietly to try things out. Because within the BBC and within Arts Council-funded organisations, failing quietly is important, because if you're found out to have failed, there can be quite significant consequences. So, so how do you encourage a culture of innovation and experiment around these digital tools and let people fail without feeling they have to keep it either from senior managers or indeed from anyone else, that they will suffer? I'm going to give that to Nick Kenyon. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to remember failing quite often without, uh, uh, without horrendous consequences. Uh, look, of course, I, I really like that phrase as well about failing quietly. You, you've got to allow the space for experiment to take place, but at the same time control it in a managerial sense so that resources are being used sensibly. At the Barbican, there's all sorts of work going on behind the scenes that doesn't make it onto the website, that doesn't make it into content, because you're getting to try and formulate ideas and then see whether we want to invest in them, whether they, they work or not. We need to put a huge investment at the moment into our whole website operation because it is simply so far behind the rapidly evolving times. So I, I think that's much more a question of, of managerial sensitivity and allowing the right people to work together in the right groups, scrutinising the work before it actually comes into the full glare of day. Alan, you've got a slightly harder task, which I mean, we all know you're going to go through in the next couple of weeks, and none of us envy it. Um, I look forward to covering it, though. Um, <laughs> the, um, I look forward to your covering it. Um, <laughs> but you, um, oh, well. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to make that judgment call. Very difficult to do if you're running an organisation. Much harder at arm's length, like you are, where you've kind of got to trust, and then you've, it's not always obvious if it's succeeding or failing. And the, the, often with these digital initiatives, it's a huge leap into the dark. How are you going to judge when you've made an investment into one of your organisation's digital capacity? How are you going to judge whether it's working or not working? And, and, when, and, and when do you call it? I mean, we've got to use a kind of sensitive ear, if you like. And it, it's a sensitive ear that we've partly built up with the way we fund things at the moment, but will develop further uh, as we start funding new quite possibly quite small, very innovative digital things. Um, you know, I think we've, by experience, recognised when it's time to stop. Uh, and we've got to be realistic uh, and not just the kind of liberal parents that just let things go on and on forever. Um, although I'm getting away from the parent-child relationship with our clients, I must remember that. You married Mark earlier. I know, it's a difficult day. Yeah. <laughs> but the difficult choice which your organisations have to make, which, are, which we have to make as well at the moment, is how much yeah. do you reprioritise into this stuff? 
because if you're going to do it seriously and resources are not expanding, you're talking about shifting stuff away from A to B. Mark wants to speak. Well, two things. I mean, for, I think the reason. I think, uh, but the way I put the challenge is actually m most 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 people in in this room will understand the idea of of creative risk taking kind of within a given discipline. I mean, you know, if you want a situation comedy or an arts program in my world, you accept not every comedy you commission is going to be a great show, and in fact, you won't get the great shows unless you're prepared to have some shows which don't work. That's the way it works. That's it. it it's recognizing really for the reasons Tom said. We don't even really know where all of the boundaries or the direction of travel is in this stuff. And sometimes you may go very far off track because, you know, in a sense, it's a, it's a completely unknown space. But the other thing, and again, it goes back to something Tom said, we've got other cultural challenges as well. I mean, I think this business, which can seem like a small thing about clean data, is a really important point, this. If people are going to find, you know, it's going you know, to work, it's going to be there, you look for it, it's there. It requires a level of consistency and discipline and grappling with metadata and also trying to agree common standards on these things around all of our archives and the rest of it, which this, this part, this part of, 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 you know, if you like, the, you know, the, the way things work in the UK has not been very good at. And it, there's something about getting more disciplined about all of that. Uh, because in a world of, 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 of search and algorithms, if you don't do that, it, the, the stuff will not work no matter how good it is in terms of its creative conception. Okay, next question. Probably our last question. Okay, the lady there. Just... Hi, Rachel French, MEMA, Middlesbrough Institute of Modern Art. It's a question about resourcing. Um, in terms of building the digital capacity from within an arts organisation, what does the panel think about the fact that we live in a world where IT is mostly outsourced and that there's a lot of um, potential for working with IT services firms who also could learn a lot from working with cultural institutions? Yeah, can I just add a supplementary to that? Would you mind? It's just that within this, the, the concept of this shrinking budget, what won't you do to allow you to build digital capacity? Nick. <laughs> well, you said yes. You nodded very sagely. I only nodded yes to the fact that that's the question. Uh, and just like the BBC finds it very difficult to stop doing things, uh, uh, so do we find it difficult to stop doing things. But, but say you do slightly less of one thing, you just shave off the, the number of live events that you might do in a particular art sector of the organisation in order to build up a, uh, um, a capacity, then the issue of how you collaborate with outsourcing organisations is really critical and that's to do with best value and expertise and we totally recognise that we haven't got the expertise in-house to do all this ourselves and that's where the whole collaborations and partnerships thing comes in and that's where you say that if you can find those who have the expertise and, and let's be clear about this, this is not about big and small organisations because a lot of small organisations have fantastic expertise in their area from which we need to learn but I think, um, uh, I don't know whether other people from arts organisations would agree, there is such an inbred 
uh, sense in arts organisations of building their own brand and succeeding on their own terms that militates against collaboration and partnership. And that's what I think uh, the Arts Council is giving a fantastic lead on at the moment. We really need to unpick that so that we can, as we're doing with the Barbican, put together an alliance around each East London and have a collection of organisations that are genuinely prepared to share expertise in an undefensive way. And, and, and sharing branding. I mean, it took, it took the BBC yeah. British Museum slightly longer than you'd ideally have liked <laughs> to, work, to work out <laughs> that, the, that the, 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 as it were, the poster for a history of world objects should have the BBC brand in one corner and the British Museum in the other. And actually, that was good for both brands and yeah. sort of tick, you know. Um, the other thing I want to say, though, I think the other thing is, in terms of the relationship with, with the IT provider, whether it's in-house or, or outsourced, is... Again, it's a point Tom made, which I think is, is, such a, is such an important thing, which is that it can't be, as it's sometimes been in the past, and we, we all know this, a sort of, you know, I've got a brilliant idea, would you mind making a few notes and then doing a bit of engineering? And the technologists are sources of creativity and originality, and some of the breakthroughs are going to come from the technologists. And the most important thing is, is realising that this is, the creativity in this exercise is going to be shared, and it's going to be... It's going to be uh, a computer engineer, a computer scientist, who, who potentially is going to be your best partner in working this, this out. And that, again, is... So in it, rather than thinking this is a bit of the kind of zone of marketing, mm. and it, 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 you know, it is like, you know, the person who makes the posters, the person who makes the programme. This is very, very big, and it may be that the, the conversation you're having is going to be the person on the other side of the table who comes up with the breakthrough idea. Alan, can I just ask you then very specifically on that note about this particular partnership? Because it's a very good question. But, and, and Nick's absolutely right. The arts, the subsidised arts, are prone to a spot of insularity, given half a chance. Um, this is for, broadly, this partnership is between the Arts Council and BBC for the, your RFOs, but it's, and it's good to see Tom there being invited. But is the idea that more, that, that the net is going to be thrown wider for that, for this, for this conversation, for these masterclasses, for these workshops, that, that the, the, the subsidised arts community, most of whom are represented here, will also get to meet, rub shoulders with, share ideas with, partner with, organisations which aren't subsidised, which aren't, might be Google, or it might be Universal Music, or it might be Warner Brothers, who knows? But is that, is that part of the ambition for the project? Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, in another kind of neck of the Arts Council woods, as it were, and this whole resilience point um, involves promiscuity of partnerships and promiscuity of, of creative relationships, if you like. So I, I was just going to sort of, in answer to that last question, um, you know, we're going on about philanthropy and that kind of stuff, but that, it's not just about money, it's about expertise, and it's about... Yeah you know, op people offering that 20%, the kind of 20% projects that Tom was referring to, and, and you know, using generosity of companies like Google, I'm sure. Tom, I'm um, going to give you the last word on this. Yeah. We're going to have a cup of tea. Okay. How should the arts, in a sentence or two, what would be the best way for this sector, maybe with your help, to build digital capacity? Well, I think it's, I'm, I'm sort of going to say what everyone's just said, which is, and it's a, it's a nice word, it's, it's actually probably a weird word, sort of friendship. Now, the thing that I think arts institutions sometimes forget is that people really love the arts. Developers really love the arts. Engineers really love the arts. Like, we go to, well, friends, you know, we go to shows. We, we sort of, I was at the Nat Mellor's opening at the ICA the other night, and I was really struck by how little technology there was there. Um, a wonderful show. But the, um, I think it's, 
I think it's kind of key to understand from their perspective as well. These things depend on scale. So, I mean, when you are talking about a large sort of project involving a number of developers over a period of time, these are, these are big, difficult things, and you're going to have to contribute. At which point, it, I, I do think it goes back to that, that idea that, you know, that institutions can band together. You can work to, to build platforms for yourselves rather than just for yourself. Um, I think that's a key way to go. But I would suggest reaching out to, to the audience, to the people that you want to work with first and offering them something. If you do developer days at an art gallery, you'd be really surprised to see how many people turn up. You might be really surprised if no one turns up, but that, that's always a, a, a hazard. You, know. um, you have plenty to offer. And I think that, that by opening the door to them first, and then seeing what they have to offer from their side, this would be, for me, the, the, the first step that I'd like to take, especially when you're local, local institutions. Um, Tom, thank think. you very much. We've just gone past our time. I'm sorry, we, we won't have time for another question. We've got to take a small break. Um, could you all put your hands together for a very, very good panel discussion? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>